All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Erica Alexander. And I'm Whitney Dow. Welcome to Reparations, the Big Payback, a production of Color Farm Media, iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network. Hey, Whitney. Hello, Erica. Something I've always wanted to ask you. You've got one of those old-time white boy, last name, first name, Whitney, you know? I mean, you could be like Dow Whitney instead of Whitney Dow. Well, you know, Erica, I do have a cousin named Dow Whitney. You know, our family kind of just recycles their names over and over. Nice. Are you profiling me? No, no. No, it's just your name. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. I just think it's interesting. You know, that's like the (laughs) ultimate... You know you're in trouble with a black woman when she says that thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, how would you know? Not only have I been around, Erica, I've been around you a lot. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it just struck me that we're talking about reparations and slavery and all, and you're from Massachusetts, right? And went to an Ivy League school, so... Yes, and? Well, in 1793, another Massachusetts Ivy Leaguer, Eli Whitney, invented the cotton gin. Now, that greatly strengthened the economic foundations of slavery in this country. And it was a paradox because the cotton gin, a labor-saving device, helped make cotton profitable, vastly increasing the spread of slave labor from Georgia all the way down to Texas and preserving and prolonging slavery in the United States for another 70 years. Wait a minute, Erica. You know, you can't put that on me. I'm not responsible for the cotton gin. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> no, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. You know, I know you don't approve, and by interesting, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, Erica Herman Melville, another New Englander, said, I did not name myself. 
Wrong me not because I have a wicked name. Oh, well, that's a good one. You know, and I'd use it myself if my name was messed up like that. Yeah, well, I don't think my name's messed up, but go on. Thanks a lot. Look, I share because I care. Saved by the bell. Tonight, part two of our main event, the heavyweight bout we've all been waiting for, the epic battle between the case for reparations and the case against reparations. If you're just joining us, I'm your host, Erica Alexander. I've been here in historic Madison Square Garden since last week. <laughs> oh, am I tired. Woo! To bring you all the thrilling round-by-round -round action in this colossal matchup. Joining me at ringside is color man Whitney Dow. Whitney, this has been a hell of a fight so far. It looks like the case for reparations is down for the count. It certainly does, Erica. But how? We didn't see it because it was a screw shot from above. Congressman Mike Johnson blindsided his opponent, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, when he revealed he had a black son. What are you talking about, Willis? Yes, a black son. We took custody of Michael and made him part of our family 22 years ago when we were just newlyweds. And Michael was just 14 and out on the streets and nowhere to go and on a very dangerous path. Michael's grown now. He has his own young family. He turns 36 years old next week. And he's a loving dad to four precious children of his own. God's been good to us, and he's a success story. I mention that today for one reason. I personally know the challenge that he has faced early in his life. I have walked with him through discrimination that he's had to endure over the years and the hurdles he's sometimes faced. I know all this, but God was, I was with him. I asked Michael this weekend what he thinks about the idea of reparations. And dig this. Wait for it. He says his black son is against reparations. Riddle me that. Well, no wonder Sheila Jackson Lee never saw that coming. That's certainly a new twist on the old I've got a black friend. The thing is, a black son beats a black friend every time. Well, with tactics like that, the case four contenders must step up their game. They'll need a hero. They'll need a... Oh, wait. Hang on, though. Hang on. Who's this coming to the center of the ring? It's former New Orleans Mayor Mark Morial. He's the head of the Urban League and a champion in the fight for reparations. Stop the count. Stop the count. Mark Morial has something to say. We have to keep the pressure on. Look, we have to define reparations. Some people want to define reparations as a give me a check bill. That's not reparations. Reparations could include that. And after all, let's be clear and honest. The United States has paid reparations before to Japanese who were interred in the camps. And there are other examples. So this is not a new, radical, revolutionary concept, the notion of reparations. It is a concept that this nation has resisted when it comes to those whose ancestors were enslaved for uh, 250 years. And in the case of uh, many of us who grew up in the South, our ancestors lived under a system of American apartheid called segregation for another 100 years. I can trace my family on my mother's side all the way back to the Whitney Plantation, which is now the Whitney Slave Museum in St. John the Baptist Parish, Louisiana. That particular plantation had some 300 plus slaves but the point of the matter is, is that I think that there's energy in the House, 
We're going to have to build the energy in the United States Senate. I think it's time to do this. There's an abundance of evidence which shows if you address economic disparities, that the benefit for the nation would be that it would expand GDP by some three to five trillion. Well, that's on a base of, let's say, six, 17 to 19 trillion, which is a total size of the American economy. People say, well, how is that the case? Because you have people of color who've been held down and structural racism has eliminated their ability to work to their potential and to work to their complete ability to contribute to themselves, their families, and to society. And when you unleash that power, the benefits are going to be to them and their families, but also to society much more broadly. So I think that's why a discussion around reparations and a discussion around racial justice has to also help people understand not just the history of what has happened in this nation since 1619, but also what is the vision for a nation that addresses the issues of racial justice, that repairs the breach of the last 300 years. I mean, we have to articulate that vision, which I think is a positive vision, while at the same time helping people understand the predicate. I think it requires significant public and private investment in infrastructure, in education, because black communities have been underinvested in. Public and private investment has bypassed black communities in many cities and it would involve investment in infrastructure, which includes investment in people. Because years and years of underinvestment, you know, when I was growing up in New Orleans, you would see neighborhoods where the street was paved for six blocks and then all of a sudden it stopped. And then for the next five blocks, the street was kind of like a little dirt road. And when you looked up and you said, why is it this way? Because this is where the white residents lived and this is where the black neighborhood started. It's basically the same neighborhood divided this section black, this section white, this section had a playground, the school they went to looked better, had more facilities than the school that the black kids went to. And so, you know, it is about investing in those things that help us build long-term sustainability. And I think that that is important. When we talk about reparations, if people said, well, let's give everybody a check. Suppose you gave everybody a check. Does that in and of itself change the structures that produced the results we have today? So the reason why I say that is not to say that compensation payment shouldn't be part of reparations, but that to me, it doesn't go far enough. Woo! That's the fight game. One minute, you're on the ropes. Next, you're back in the fight. Maybe so, Erica. But this next concerned citizen from Evanston, Illinois, is in it to win it. Fighting for the case against reparations, he's both a slugger and a ring tactician, and he comes with a fistful of facts. Meet John Foley! When it came out that reparations were going to target a specific group of people, it just struck me as wrong. If somebody needs help, that help shouldn't be dictated by someone's race, creed, color, color of their hair. If you need help, you should be colorblind. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Whether you're a hillbilly in West Virginia or whether you're here, if you need support, we're going to give you support as a society. And again, that support is not dictated by your skin color, race, creed, color, gender, whatever the case may be. This country's been through a lot of pain. 
you know, the civil rights movement, we've come a long way. And so to reopen these wounds just divides our community instead of uniting our community. And sometimes what we forget, which is what our media, sorry, and politicians, they spend a lot of time dividing us instead of uniting us. Because the one thing we all are in this room right now, we're all Americans. But if we look at slavery, okay, slavery ended 1865. The civil rights movement came in 100 years later, essentially. Out of the civil rights movement, there was housing reform. There were all sorts of laws that were passed to protect people against the ability to buy a home. So basically, a large part of these problems were solved over 40 years ago, 50 years ago. So why are we coming back to this now? So if you think about reparations, reparations conceptually, it's for those that were victimized by slavery. So if there was going to be a time to make the reparations for the harm of slavery, I would argue that that should have been done, you know, in the late 19th century. We're now in the 21st century. The reason why I'm speaking up is clearly this is wrong. Some poor family, wherever they may be, they need help, but we're not going to give them help because of their skin color? It just struck me so morally wrong, and there's so many things that are done in a clandestine way. So you're going to have this Latino family who needs help, and they're going to say that this black family got more help, and then they're going to turn around, and then they're going to find a lawyer, and then the whole thing is going to turn into a complete cluster where it could have been avoided. And that's the tragedy. I think everybody's life has a certain degree of burden. I think if you had Bill Gates here, he would have some burden. God only knows what it would be, but he's got a burden. Everyone has a burden. It's how you handle the burden. So there is the, someone told me that they're not going to hire me because I'm not Jewish. Okay. Do I sit there and say, I'm going to just roll over and, and die? Or do I sit there and say, fine, I'll just find something else. You know, different time and stuff like that. There was all sorts of nice jokes about having red hair and freckles and stuff like that. You know, you develop a thick skin and you move on. And so I truly don't feel that there was, at least I can speak for myself, no privilege. Absolutely not. My life wouldn't have been any different if I was black. Because it's the core of who you are. And underneath it all, it's what forms you and stuff like that. So whether I'm a Hispanic, black, Asian, underneath it all, it's the character of who I am is who I am. You know, quirks and all. And by the way, we all have our quirks. We've seen what I call the ugly, dark, and awful side of American society. We showed up at the Capitol. The intolerance, the hatred, the fealty to white supremacy as an operating principle for the country versus this idea that this nation is multicultural, multi-religious, multi-orientation, and that it is undergirded by notions of justice and equity. Because you're a white male, we're not going to give your family help we're going to ignore the Hispanic family. We're going to ignore the Asian family. But we're going to give help to this black family. But all four of them need help. You know, I uh, went to school in the South. The elementary school I went to, the middle school I went to, and the high school I went to. I was one of the first African-American students to go to all three of those schools. And I remember being indoctrinated with the lost cause narrative. The idea that the South waged the Civil War for the principle of states' rights and that it was a war against Northern aggression. Not that it was a war to defend slavery. So in many respects, the narratives that many have learned have contributed to, if you will, the racial injustice we see in public policy, even to this very day. And that's part of this conversation. So I don't believe in white privilege, 
Asian privilege, Hispanic privilege, but there is parental privilege. A child that is raised by a mom and a dad is just gonna have a statistically better outcome. While at the same time, I'm always a believer in the vision for the future. What's the vision for the future? What can the nation become if these challenges are addressed? We have to remain vocal. We have to remain energized. We have to make sure that our demands and our needs remain at the forefront. We all have to remain woke and in a continuous, visible demand for the things we want. This fight has more twists and turns than a safety pin. Who's ahead in the count? Are these punches landing? Who will emerge victorious? To find out, we ask the man in the street. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Any form of reparation, in my opinion, definitely is owed to the black community and people of color in general. It's going to take a while for people to maybe come around and figure out what's the right and appropriate way to approach it, whether it's literally money, whether it's education, whether it's actual housing, food, you name it. We need to figure out a way to allocate those resources to the people who need it the most. I'm for it. Mm-hmm, because they brought our people here as slaves. They helped to build up this America. Without them, America wouldn't have been the way it is today. 
Anytime I see the films about those slaves they brought here, it break my heart. They think blacks are not human beings. I think black Americans or African Americans, they owe them a lot in America. Personally, I'm in favor of reparations in the form of investment into communities of people who are, you know, descendants who have been directly impacted by things like Jim Crow or slavery before. I think that it would be more impactful in the long term to invest in the communities into the education and the infrastructure in those communities. Of course, I'm for it. Why shouldn't we pay back after we hurt somebody? Doesn't matter if it, how many years ago it is. I support reparations because as a society, whether it's federal or state or local government or other critical institutions, educational, healthcare, and more, we have created a situation where there are massive, massive racial inequities in health, in safety, in wealth, in education, and more. Therefore, we have a responsibility to repair that damage. That's what reparations is all about. I've got a feeling these final rounds of this fight are going to be the toughest. No kidding. Our next fighter, in the case for reparations, is none other than a battler, a rumbler, and a true heavyweight. He's a rapper, a tireless activist, and a proud driver of a 1996 Chevy Impala all the way from Atlanta, GA. It's Killer Mike! I think that the federal government absolutely owes us something. Well, why? Because in 1619, you brought us here. So I believe based on that, that there is a formula in which the federal government does owe us something, and that includes money. Private companies that benefited off stocks and bonds. Because after the Civil War, even though the people who were promised something by Field Order 15 by General Sherman, even though they didn't get shit, many landowners were underwritten for the property they lost. And the property was human beings who looked like me and Erica. So when you look at reparations, I think everything that has touched us in a way that profited from us and we did not owes us. So that's a mixture of federal government. And that would be cash payments, in my opinion. That would be land grants and land lotteries. That would be an exemption from taxation. That would be a forgiveness of loans and debts that are federally subsidized. That would be giving us every opportunity to gain equal footing, to take advantage of the opportunity of being Americans. It's the same thing that was done for the colonies after they broke from Britain. It's the same thing that was done for the immigrant population that was asked to come here and settle the Midwest and the West. So my question becomes, why everybody except us? And everybody should pay who profited from it. According to the Angela Project that studies America's original sin of slavery from 1619 forward, right? We are owed over $15 trillion. Would probably come out, according to Bob Johnson, and, and even my, you know, my former drug dealer mathematics, will come out between $350,000 and $500,000. Let me tell black folks on the side of this stuff. That ain't no money. I want people to understand that besides the cash payment, which you, you should get and you deserve, not only are reparations a cash payout, they need to be long-term and systemic, purposeful systems and organizations set up that puts for the first time 
black people who were brought here as beasts and chattel on a pathway to having their full rights and privileges recognized and enjoyed. Now, people outside the African-American community that say things like, I wasn't a slave owner. You benefit from what your grandparents got. I have benefited because my grandfather got the GI Bill when black soldiers who returned from World War II could not get the GI Bill. I've benefited because at a time there were factories in Mississippi, they paid white workers, even though they were underpaying the white workers, they paid them more than the black. So what mm. I need poor working class white people understand that if they have to treat us fairly. So when Mitch McConnell say that was 150 years ago, Mitch, you 75. That was two <laughs> Mitches ago. So you could die, come back, live again. And that's how close slavery is, Mitch. You know, double your ass. So my great grandparents sharecropped bought 25 acres. Those 25 acres benefited, my grandmother benefited me, but because of that, my grandmother was able to have an education. Because of that, she was able to move to Atlanta, buy her first piece of land, which we still own. Why don't you want to give black folks that chance? Give us our fucking land, which we were promised by Sherman's order field 15 when he left black people to die and drown in a creek. We were promised that. Give us what the fuck we were promised and watch how much better this entire country has. So I just challenge people to understand that this is not about taking from you because you ain't the government. You don't mm -hmm. have enough money to pay us. This is not about taking from you because you're not the private corporations that profited from us being a stock and a bond. What this is, is a reckoning of the evil and the original sin that America did because they enslaved people who look like our black ass, right? And now it's just time to get that core strength. And I guarantee you, the better the economy is in the African-American community, the better the overall economy will be. So fight for it, want reparations, we deserve it. One day they gonna come. We just might be older dead. But I think we can, we must, we will. I have a lot of confidence in black people. I have a lot of confidence in this country because we built it. For the same reason your granddad who worked at the Ford company, like Ford trucks. Because he know his hands went in the building the Ford truck. You're not gonna shame me for liking America because I helped build it and I'm not going nowhere. And I think black people need to take that mentality. If we do, you know, we'll see more brown towns pop up. And if we 55% of the South, is no reason we shouldn't own 55% of the South. So black people, we're the cornerstone, we're the foundation. Let's see ourselves that way. Let's move, act, and operate that way. And I think we'll see systemic change within our lifetime. Wow, that was Powerful, Erica. It sure was, Whitney. They don't call him killer for nothing. He's up against a man who calls himself a race realist and a separatist. He's a southpaw from the great state of Virginia, in for the case against reparations. Give it up for Jared Taylor! If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. 
The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Well, I certainly do not propose that reparations be paid for slavery. There's no person alive who was a slave, and there's no person alive who was a slaveholder. If you were going to make some kind of narrowly tailored solution, whereby those who were slaves would be compensated by people who had held them as slaves, presumably you would track down the descendants of slaveholders today and also the descendants of those slaves, and work out something between those parties. But there is no legal theory whatsoever to seek compensation for an act that took place between private parties many years ago, in some cases 100, 200, 300 years ago. And as you know, the precedent that many people calling for reparations point to, which is to say the payments by the federal government to the Asians who were in the camps during the Second World War. That was made while those people were still alive. The payments did not extend to the children of those people. So you could argue by that standard that the statute of limitations is finished. In the United States, in fact, you could argue that American blacks are the richest, most long-lived blacks, not only in the world, but in the history of the world. You could also make the argument that Zora Neale Hurston made, the black poet. She said, slavery is the price I paid for civilization. In other words, she was in effect grateful for the fact that her ancestors brought to the United States and she grew up in the United States rather than in Africa. Compared to Africa, for example, life expectancy of American blacks, although it's shorter than that of American whites, is 10 years higher than the average life expectancy in Africa. And so if you look, want to look at it on strictly a cost-benefit basis, the descendants of slaves living in the United States today are on a material basis vastly better off than if their ancestors had stayed in Africa. And the idea that blacks are somehow hundreds of years later mentally shackled by the fact that they came as enslaved people makes no sense at all. The blacks living here today were born here. Their ancestors were born here. And somehow there's some sort of 
hereditary mental paralysis that comes from the fact that their ancestors were enslaved, that makes no sense at all. It is completely unfair for them to expect the United States government to make payments to them. And that's the form that almost all proposals for compensation or reparations take. The federal government never owned a single slave. Slavery was a private practice. If private individuals in the United States think that black people are owed some sort of compensation, then by all means, reach into their own pockets and make those payments. But somehow to punish all taxpayers for something for which they had absolutely no responsibility, to me, is completely wrong. I think that if you turned around and you said, okay, white people, your taxes are going to go up because we're going to tax you more because we're going to give money to blacks. You think that would improve race relations in the United States? On the one hand, you will never get an answer from black people saying, yes, okay, finally, we've been made whole. The black reaction will invariably be, this isn't enough. And what do you think the white reaction is going to be? Poor whites in particular. And your taxes are going to be paid to the children of Barack and Michelle Obama because they're descended from slaves. How do you think white people or other people, Hispanics, Asians, anybody else who feel absolutely no personal involvement in slavery, no sense of responsibility for it, is that going to help race relations in the United States? Absolutely not. It will only make them worse. You can go back to, I believe it was 1965, Lyndon Johnson gave the commencement address at Howard University. And he says, uh, look, what we need is equality of results. We can't just have equality of opportunity. And since then, there have been compensatory programs in the form of racial preferences for blacks. Is it somehow the legacy of slavery that keeps blacks poor? No, I don't think you can make that argument. Georgia, the state I live in, the first seven years Georgia existed, slavery didn't exist. But after Georgians saw South Carolinians and other Southern colonies like making money, they were like, shit, we get in this slavery game. Get us some niggas. Much of this was economic. So everybody wasn't racist, but economically it made sense to be. There is probably some impact. I think it would be difficult to argue that the effect has been zero. However, if you argue that the problem is some sort of structural white supremacy in the United States, it's difficult to argue why some of these other non-white groups are doing so much better than blacks. If the United States is somehow structurally set up to advantage whites over people who are non-white, it's certainly not working very well. At some point, the descendant of someone that was brought here in 1619 deserves to steer this raggedy-ass ship through these troubled waters. That is an element of reparation that is long deserved. If you want to go back and find people who got the short end of the stick, you're welcome to do so. There's an infinite number of them. But this kind of thing is not going to sit well on people who had absolutely no part in that and feel no obligation to make those people whole. Is it right that we got so many handicaps plaguing us? No. It wasn't right Tiger Woods had to play at some substandard golfing places. It wasn't right that two girls from Compton got dumbass questions when they were learning to play tennis. But boy, once they caught on, look at how we prevailed. What are the penalties for being black in the United States? It's impossible to calculate them. And yes, there are some cases in which a black person, a black sounding resume does not get called back as often. But there are many, many cases that we know about 
in which a black person who's applying for a job or who's, who's certainly applying to university gets preference over a white or particularly over an Asian. So black people, especially black people who are descendants of those that are brought from 1694, we need to see ourselves as the start of what's next and not the end of what has happened. Did you see that? Killer Mike wore him out. This was a heavyweight in action. He was clear and concise. He brought the energy from the ancestors, and he was throwing hammers, baby! He sure was, Erica. He was throwing hammers, and Jared Taylor's race realism was just a covert way of saying, this country is for whites only. It certainly couldn't stand up to Killer Mike's attack, and Killer Mike showed him it's way too late for all that. Now, I don't know about you, Whitney, but that was a clear knockout for the case for reparations. Boom! I agree. That was amazing. Killer Mike threw down, but... But? Wait a minute, Erica. We have a ruling from the judges. The judges are declaring it... A tie? A tie? It seems like the fix is in. What are you talking about? You heard it, Whitney. You heard it. You even said so. Killer Mike was the clear winner. Yes, but they're calling it a tie. The case against reparations is the reigning champion, and the contender doesn't take the belt in a tied score. You need to win by decision or by a knockout. Or a knockout? By knockout? Are you kidding? I guess we're just not there yet. Next time on Reparations, The Big Payback. When I was running for president, I did talk about reparations because if you look at American politics and there's something that you don't understand that does not seem to make sense, the answer is race. It's not being spoken about, but it's the kernel behind the apparent inconsistency, the apparent craziness. And so I look at the need for everyone in America, particularly white people, I mean, let's face it, this was a system of racism and discrimination that was conceived of and executed by white people that has continued for centuries. And for us to move on, it's absolutely essential so that we can have honest conversations about how to proceed in a just fashion. It's important to retell the story for everyone, specifically for white people who've benefited from this system and executed it. And it's not enough just to retell the story. Actions have to be taken. Let's talk about what it will take to repair the damage to redress the injustice. This podcast is produced by Eric Alexander, Ben Arnon, and Whitney Dow. The executive producers are Charlemagne the God and Dolly S. Bishop. The supervising producer is Nicole Childers, and the lead producer is Devin Mavic Robbins. The producer writer is Cerise Castle, and the associate producer is Kevin Pham with additional research support provided by Niall Blass. This episode was written by Tony Perrier, original music by DJ DTP. Reparations, The Big Payback is a production of Color Farm Media, iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network in association with Best Case Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? 
You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.